thank you for joining us. My name is Alexa Uda. I'm a reporter with the Texas Tribune. I'm really happy to welcome you to the seventh annual Texas Tribune Festival. This is the Politics of Bathroom panel. Thanks for deciding to spend your Saturday with us. We've got a great panel lined up. Before I introduce them, a couple of quick housekeeping things. We've got about 60 minutes. We'll do 40 to 45 of conversation up here. We'll open it up for audience questions at 15 to 20. We've got a mic in the middle. I'll let you know when we're nearing that point if you want to start lining up. Wait for my sign. I'll go ahead and do that when we get closer to that. We would never ask you to turn off your phones, but we will ask you to put them on silence or vibrate. If you are tweeting this panel, which we encourage you to do, the hashtag is TribFest17. Um, I'm also told that Equality Texas is hosting a meet and greet in the community hub down the hall in the ballroom. Um, that will happen after our panel is over, and a couple of our panelists will be there as well. Last but not least, I know this is a very divisive issue on many fronts. It's a controversial one and a personal one for a lot of folks. Um, like we do at every Tribune event, we ask that we treat each other with civility and respect um, and that we let the conversation stay up here for the first 40 minutes. I promise we'll get to as many questions from the audience as we can after that. With that, we will go ahead and get started. I'll introduce our panelists. Next to me is Nicole Hudgens. She's an analyst for Texas Values. They're a nonprofit group. They're one of the loudest supporters of at the Capitol for a bathroom bill. She's previously worked for the Heritage Foundation, the Family Research Council, and U.S. Rep. John Fleming. Next to her is State Representative Ron Simmons. He's a Republican from Carrollton. He has represented House District 65 since 2012. He's got various committee assignments, appropriations, local consent calendars, transportation. During the last legislative session and special session, he authored bills that would have nixed local policies that regulated bathrooms. Those included some of those non-discrimination ordinances. Next to him is State Representative Jason Vialba. He is a Republican from Dallas and has represented House District 114 since 2013. A couple of committee assignments as well, business and industry, economic and small business development. Um, he opposed some of the most stringent bathroom bills proposed during the legislative sessions. Next to him is Jessica Shortall. She's the managing director of Texas Competes, a role in which she led a coalition of more than um, 1,200 Texas employers and chambers of commerce who seek to make an economic case for why Texas should adopt more LGBT-friendly policies. You might have heard business was pretty involved in this fight. Um, and last but not least, we have Lou Weaver. He is the Transgender Programs Coordinator for Equality Texas and was at the <coughs> forefront of organizing efforts against this year's bathroom bills. Um, he lives in Houston and is a prominent activist in the local trans and LGBT community and has been involved in this fight way back when Houston was voting on its non-discrimination policy, which you might remember as HERO. So, unless you've been living under a rock for the last couple months, you might know that the better part of this year, um, the fight over what became known as bathroom bills, through which conservatives tried to regulate which bathrooms transgender Texans could use or the type of local policies that could be enacted, um, really largely dominated the political and policy debates at the Capitol and in Texas. It really sucked the legislative air out of the room on many occasions. And then this massive, tragic storm came through. And since then, it seems like a lot of um, lawmakers and, and folks' priorities have shifted and the attention has shifted there. How much more time are we going to spend on this? <laughs> I know, go ahead. I think that's a great question. Um, first off, it's an honor to be here. And uh, glad we're having the discussion. I think this was a discussion. Um, that should have happened on the House floor during the legislative session. And after working with you know, young girls who are concerned about this issue, and as a young woman myself, this issue really does matter. And I think it's important for people to realize that, yes, we certainly talked about the issue some in the legislative session, but this issue actually came up when the Fort Worth superintendent implemented policies that allowed boys into girls' showers, locker rooms, and bathrooms. It happened when the mayor of Houston pushed through the ordinance. And then the citizens actually had a vote on the issue and voted that ordinance down. So this issue's been going on for a while. You've also saw at the federal level where the Obama administration used uh, SOGI language and threatened schools' Title IX funding if they didn't allow boys into girls' showers, locker rooms, bathroom, and bathrooms, and hotel rooms. So 
this issue, I would say, is actually just getting started. And even after what happened at the legislative session, you're still having school districts like San Antonio ISD that are pushing through these policies. So as these policies continue to be pushed, there's going to continue to be a discussion. Well, we'll get to San Antonio in a bit. Jessica, you... Just from a timeline perspective, I wanted to note that uh, the 2015 legislature saw multiple bathroom bills filed by Representatives Riddle and Pena. Those would have put uh, thousands of dollars of bounty on the heads of transgender people and encouraged people to turn them in for using the bathroom that was appropriate for them. So um, uh, the timeline is, is a little bit more rich than saying it started in Fort Worth, which was after these bills were filed, or it started with Obama. I know the but Obama refrain is very powerful, um, but um, we have seen um, these attempts to, to regulate where people go to the bathroom that predate most of those examples. As well, to be clear, during the legislative session, there were a number of test votes that we took around amendments that essentially were bathroom-style amendments. And so those came for a vote. There was no will on the floor of the House for those types of initiatives at that level. Now, I know Ron had a very well-intentioned bill, uh, but I, I'm not certain that even if it had gotten the vote that people say it should have been received, that it would have actually changed uh, the, the will of the House to vote in favor of, of that bill. This bill was, was kept bottled up in committee, really, at least your bills. The Senate bills were never referred to a committee. House Speaker Joe Strauss, I think, made his opposition very clear. You know, from the beginning, he was kind of hinted at it, and then as time went on, it, it became pretty clear. What, and you were waiting to get these, committee, these bills out of committee. Do you think if it had gotten to the floor that there would have been a, a vote in your favor? Well, in the, in the regular session, there were two, you know, we, had a, we had a Privacy Act in the regular session, House Bill 2899, and we also had one in the special session, HB 46 and HB 50 that just applied to schools. Uh, House Bill uh, 2899 had close to 80 co-authors. So Absolutely. It would have passed the floor. It would have passed the House. Uh, I have not, for Republican primary voters, this is a 77% issue. So the answer to that is yes. But, you know, the House is a quirky uh, institution. And uh, the Speaker has a lot of influence. The Speaker, uh, on most of the issues, uh, allows the House to work its will. On this issue, he did not. He weighed in. Uh, he uh, got very much involved with the lobby. He got involved with uh, his chairman. And so he has the power to essentially kill a bill, and that's what the leadership did this time. And that's, that's just the way it works, okay? It could be the other side as well, and, and, that, and he's elected the speaker, and we know that when we elect him speaker, he has the power to do that. The number of co-authors on the bill decreased during the special session, though. Was, was there fatigue among the other members? That's another thing that the leadership uh, weighed in on, and probably not the speaker himself, mm -hmm. but certainly his team weighed in encouraging members not to sign on to that, so that if they wanted X, they probably shouldn't sign on to this one. And that's, unfortunately, that's what happened. Now, we ended up... At the end of the day, I don't, I don't remember you might. It's close to 50. Yeah, somewhere in the 50, in the 50 neighborhood, which was a majority of the Republican caucus, not a majority of the House, but sure. a majority of the Republican caucus. I want to back up a little bit because, Nicole, you mentioned Fort Worth. We've talked about Obama. We've talked about the 2015 bills that were out there. But really, when, when we think about this, um, you look at school districts have had pol trans-inclusive policies on the books for, for, a, for a while. Maybe not formalized, but they've been accommodating students on a case-by-case -case basis. We look at some of these major cities in Texas that for almost a decade have had comprehensive ordinances, the ones that your bill might have nixed parts of um, and the ones that we fought, we saw the fight over Hero. But these things have been on the books for decades in some places. What, what was this about this time that these things were around for so long, but now the fight really pivoted there? Lou, you were involved in the Houston fight. What did you, was there, what did you see as a difference in this? Well, I would say, to go back to what you said, since 2011, Houston Independent School District has had an inclusive policy that covered uh, sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. We have not seen any problems with schools in Houston making sure that those um, in the members of the LGBTQ communities were thriving in schools, and not just you know, existing, but actually doing well in schools. And anytime somebody would call the school board, they'd say, hey, we have a student transitioning. They're like, you have a policy. Go help the student and make sure they're okay. And this is working really well in Houston. And it's been there, like I said, for almost six years, or I guess six years now. 
And then during the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance fight, which would have protected every Houstonian because there was 15 different classifications that it would have protected people on. There was a lot of misinformation. There was a lot of uh, the catchy phrase of no men in women's restrooms, which this was not going to allow. It is now, always has been, and always will be a crime to walk into a restroom to commit assault, to be a peeper, or anything else. So when, they, when people are saying things that aren't really true and allowing for things that aren't really true. There was a lot of misinformation that went into a short campaign, and so it's hard to battle that. As a transgender person myself, I know where I belong. And so there, there was, it just wasn't right what they were saying to us, and so we need to get back to where we're at. And also it seems awfully convenient that this fight came after Obergefell. Well, you can't pick on the gays and lesbians anymore. Who are you going to pick on? Because nobody has cared where I've been going to the restroom or using the restroom. And I've been out as a trans man, living as a trans man for nine years. And I have not seen this kind of opposition to my community except for the past three years. Well, you know, I think it's, excuse me, Nicole, I think it's interesting, misinformation. I, I know a lot about misinformation because there was a lot of misinformation on my bill for people that opposed it. And I think you have to break this issue down, at least, at least for my legislation, I don't speak for the Senate's legislation, in, in two different factors. One factor is what is the policy related to everybody, okay? What is, what is the policy relating to showers, multiple, multiple occupancy restrooms, things like that? And then where should that policy be developed? That's the second question. What, what my bill did is it didn't take a position on what the policy should be overall. It said, look, for 150 years since Texas has been a state, we have operated under these understandings. And if we're going to change those understandings, then we need to do that at the state level because it needs to be the same for a person in Amarillo as it is in Austin, in Houston as it is in Hutto, in El Paso as it is in Edinburgh, okay? But instead of having a patchwork of different uh, ordinances and policies, we need to step <coughs> back and say, okay, if, there, if we need to change our policy, if, if there's an issue, uh, although the gentleman just said there was not an issue until people brought it up, I understand what you're saying. But if there is an issue that we need to make sure people are being discriminated against, that needs to be debated right down the street. Well, it but, needs but to be these, debated and a bill passed right down the street. If, I, if these policies were on, on the books for decades in some places, though, what was the impetus for, for pushing for this now, Once, even though these have been on the books for so long? Well, I mean, in Houston, it wasn't as far as the city went, you had the HERO ordinance, which did apply to public accommodations, which applies to bathrooms. Like the Austin and, and Dallas and Fort Worth so as well. You, they pushed that through. Two, you had it apply to businesses. So you're telling businesses what to do rather than let the free market have their say and let the businesses decide. So it was the ordinance, it was the mayor who pushed the ordinance through and the citizens didn't want it, which is why they had to go to the Supreme Court twice so they could at least have a say on the issue. And when they did have a say on the issue, they voted it down and their business is doing fine. I have an interesting tension here of one person saying it can't be different in all of these different cities and another person saying the will of the people in this city should be honored and That's the only to. choice they had at the time. I mean, they didn't. Why, why they didn't, can't it be different in every they, city? They did, the same reason that the Uber rules are the same so that people, people are protected the same way. Oh, I forgot we were in Austin on Uber. Sorry about that. That's what I'm Sorry. That example. Sorry about that. He's, he's fracking. Uh, but, yeah, fracking. That's a good one. That's probably not good here either. But, <laughs> but it, everybody needs to understand. If, if the policy is so important, and maybe it is or maybe it isn't, then the people that represent the state of Texas are in that building. And that's where it needs to be debated. I'm not sure why somebody would be against that. Why would you be against that? Well, if it was debated there, I went there several times, as did many of my friends, to talk about how this directly impacts my life, the lives of the transgender youth. It was debated. It was debated by the citizens, by the residents of Texas, and how this affects them. And yet it seems like that's continuing to get dismissed in these conversations. We elected those people to hear us, to listen to us. I can, um, sure. Representative Viaba was undecided when we first started having these conversations. And he was able to listen and hear, and hear from my point of view, hear from many parents who talked to him about, my child, my seven-year-old daughter is at risk when we're having these conversations. Senator Zaffarini also in the beginning was saying, I'm not sure what this means, but she listened. So I think it was debated. I think that we heard a lot of people across the state of Texas, people came from El Paso, people came from Amarillo, to come down here and talk to those people and say, 
this affects my life in ways that you folks are not talking about. And as a transgender man, it barely affects my life. Let's be very clear. This that's affects not, transgender that's, women. That's not debate. That's information. You were providing information to people like Representative Viaba, Senator Zaffarini, myself. And that's fine. We need that from constituents. But then we take that information and we go onto the House floor and we debate it as elected representatives. And if it wins, it goes on as law. If it doesn't win, then it can certainly be tried again. You know, it keep, sometimes it takes two or three sessions. And, uh, and I think we're and getting, I would and jump in. I, I would jump in too. I think Lou brings up a great point. There's got to be a discussion. Yes, it's a controversial issue, and there are two sides to the story. But in Fort Worth, in Dripping Springs, in San Antonio, those discussions never took place. So in Fort Worth, the superintendent implemented it without even a vote. So constituents couldn't even come to the school board members saying, hey, I'm concerned when y'all bring this up for debate, can you bring up my concerns? Can I, can I as a parent or as a student, there was a young girl uh, named Crystal who got to speak at the public forum about the issue, but she never got to have a say before the policy was even implemented. So those discussions aren't taking place. The, that you're asking, it really reaches to the core essence of what this bill is about. What does this bill do? Are we conflating it with NDOs? Or are we talking about discriminating against a class of people because they might be different than ourselves? That's the real question. And I think that debate was, was undertaken in the public consciousness for the last six months. There has been no shortage of newspaper articles and television coverage and talk about this in the community. For, for me, look, I have two daughters in the public schools. I don't want them showering with men any more than anybody else does. That's, that's ridiculousness. But that doesn't occur. That's not happening today. And I know there's a talk about this ordinance or that ordinance. It has not occurred in Texas. I wrote that this bill doesn't solve a problem that never existed. The body is not proactive. We are not a proactive body down in Austin, right? We address issues well after the problems occurred, hence the, the hurricane issue. But yet there's just one issue where there's not a problem. There's no issue going on. Nobody's going into bathrooms to assault people under the guise of being a transgender. That just doesn't occur. Hear me out. And because it's not occurring, are we going to take proactive action on something that isn't happening, but yet not take time on public education, which we were definitely having to address? That's the issue here. Uh, and, but, but Jason, I mean, we, we took time on public education. That's not that's not a fair. We spent a we spent a lot of discussion debate on that. I mean, HB twenty one. HB twenty one. We we do things all the time that preempt things from potentially happening. We do that all the Can time. I ask, I and this wasn't a preemption. This wasn't a preemption bill. Let me finish just real quick. This wasn't a preemption bill. This was hey, let's step back and have a real debate. That's that's what my my opinion is of it. I'm sorry, Mr. Short. No, it's my fault. Um, I heard you once, Representative Simmons, uh, use the term true transgenders. So just a quick language note, it's trans transgender people or transgender folks. But um, you, you said something along the lines, that I, please correct me if I'm wrong, that we know this isn't about your words, true transgenders, but people who would masquerade or pose. Can either of you lawmakers give an example of another law that's created to regulate the behavior of group A because group B might pretend to be them? Well, I think, I think we do have laws that are called fraud, and imposters are included. If I had in my that. identity stolen recently, would I fall under that law because someone impersonated me? No, they would. Right. Because they've, they've committed fraud. We agree. Fraud, I think this right? gets back to the. Well, I'd, like to, I'd like to make a point. I think Representative Viaba um, did a great job of bringing it up. You know, everybody talks about the bathroom bill, and I understand, yes, it applies to bathrooms, but it also applies to showers and locker rooms, and it has been addressed. The Obama administration specifically talked about it, and so did the Fort Worth Independent School District. There's a current uh, case going on right now in Pennsylvania of a, lock, um, of a boy being forced to share a locker room with a girl. So these are issues, and it does apply to showers and locker rooms as well. I, I want to go back to this, this idea of We've heard a lot, you know, this is to prevent men who are going to impersonate a trans person and take advantage of a trans-inclusive policy to go into a bathroom or, a, you know, a showering facility. Because we have not, we were never provided an ample amount of evidence that this was happening. And it seems to me at the Capitol, we often, you know, we sit through these committee hearings, we hear from experts who talk about this is the problem and this is how we fix it. But 
you know, what was this trying to fix if, if we were never ever really able to get a good, you know, can, can we agree on at least that, that there was never any sort of ample statistics or data showing that this was a, a pervasive problem in places that had enacted these sort of policies? So that's a great question, Alexa. First off, when you talk about intimate facilities, there's an expectation of privacy that begins at the door. Two, do I think any person who is a transgender is walking into the bathroom with ill intent? No. Do I know that, though? No. But I do have an so expectation. So is your problem with the so transgender person using the bathroom or with someone impersonating a transgender So person? my problem is, is and, and young girls that, that I've been working with who are having to deal with these issues because local governments are forcing it, forcing them to have to deal with it, is they love their classmates, absolutely. But they have an expectation of privacy when they use the bathroom and when they use the shower or the locker room. Just put, what's, what's, what, hang on, lose on the edge of his chair. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to make sure I hear Nicole. I have a, a hearing problem. But when, when we are saying separate but equal, because that's kind of sort of what I'm hearing coming out of your mouth, is the trans kids should go over here while the other kids go over here. And also, again, um, transgender is not a noun. It is a verb. So it needs to be the transgender student or the transgender person. That, um, that segregating them and telling them that they are not equal to their peers is so detrimental to their health, to their mental, their emotional psyche, even their physical well-being. And yes, I have a certain amount of expectation of privacy when I go into the restroom. You were in the green room with me, weren't you? Did anybody up here use the green room um, restroom while you were there? It was a single stall that had, um, well, no, it was not a single stall. It was, there was a plaque that had the universal person with a cape and the universal person with no cape uh, above there. And then there, there was three stalls in there. So it basically was saying it was a unisex room with three stalls and a sink. Right? What, I'm not finished, Nicole. Hold on a second for me. Sure. Right? Um, so when I walk in there, I expect a certain amount of security. I, I did not lock the door. Uh, Jessica told me she didn't either. But I walked in there. I used a stall. stall I locked my stall door, not the out door that said you could lock that. And I expect a certain amount of, of privacy in the fact that nobody else is walking in that stall with me. But I'm going to go in there. I'm going to use the restroom. I'm going to wash my hands. and I'm going to walk out. That is the respect and the privacy that we all ask. And when we're talking about young trans girls that are going and accessing schools, they're doing the exact same thing. They're going into a stall. They're using that stall. They're coming out fully dressed as they walked in, fully dressed as they walked out. And they're not showering at schools because they're terrified. As a transgender man, I am terrified of walking into a men's locker room because I'm like, am I going to be safe in here? Right? Even though I belong in there and even though I will go in there, but am I safe? And that transgender girl that we're talking about, that you're repeatedly saying over and over again, is not worthy because she might scare somebody else? How terrified is this student every day at school? So, uh, I'm like, I'm not trying to interrupt. I think what we're moving towards is a, is a, is a middle ground, right? And, and I think we saw the middle ground in the regular session with Chris Patty's amendment that essentially said, why not use what I call the Mi Casina solution? You go to Mi Casina in Dallas, it's a restaurant, and there's a single stall, it's private, it's got a family emblem on it, and anyone goes in there. They've got the male, they've got the female, and then they've got the third. Why not have a third option at schools and other facilities? Most businesses have already adopted the third stall option. To be right? clear, that you're not saying for transgender people to have to go into. I'm saying for that, for, for people that want privacy, I, that's, that's one of the problems, I think, with this debate. Why it gets so divisive? Are we discriminating? Are we trying to get rid of Indios? Let's, let's leave that behind. Let's provide male female, and other. If I had a, a surgical scar and I don't want to go into the regular men's bathroom because the other boys may make fun of me, I want to go into a private stall where I can have some privacy. If that person is trans or other, then they can use that stall because you might say, I want to be, uh, I want to have some privacy because I'm not comfortable in that other bathroom. That's fine. That's fair. Would you support a policy that requires people to use that third bathroom, though? It would be for anyone. I would want to say any, I mean, it would say you have this third option. Now, I do say this, and I agree with Ron on this, and I agree with Chris Patty on this. Look, if, if you have a third option, uh, you can go male, female, or other, but you shouldn't be male and going into the female, right? You shouldn't be female and going into the male. You should be going to where there is a third option for you to have privacy. But is that is that discriminatory? You know, and that's the the argument that that Miss T made on the floor. You know, this is separate but equal. This goes back to the days of slavery, our Jim Crow laws, um, and she really talked about that, and that's compelling. Uh, but 
look, we have a divisive issue. I think Ron is very well-intentioned, and Nicole and, and the rest of the team really want to make, uh, address this concern that's important in their communities. So I, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about that intention, but it does impact another community that is, feels the, 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 the pain of, of some of these laws. Why not just find a way to to take it right down the center of the fairway, right? And that's what the Patty Amendment, I think, did. And I think that's where we ultimately end up going if we have this debate again. Are you saying that trans men are men and trans women are women and that we can still access the restroom where we know we need to go and those, those that are uncomfortable can then use another room? Because people that want privacy, whether they have a surgery scar, whether they're diabetic and need space to take their shots, I totally agree that they should have privacy and totally agree that anybody who wants privacy and doesn't want somebody looking at them should have an option. But I don't think that saying that a transgender man, just because I was labeled as a female when I was born, has to use a women's restroom. In the legislature, we are charged with solving existing problems. We are not social engineers, right? So as much as I might agree with you personally that you should be treated with respect and dignity just like everyone else, which I agree with, um, I'm not in that business. I'm in the business of seeing an issue and addressing it with legislation. But you've That's already it. said this is not an issue, right? Well, well hear, hear, hear me out. Look, again, we can have that debate all day long, but you're never going to get a majority of Republicans or even Democrats on social engineering on the floor of the House. I'm trying to craft a way around this issue so that everybody is not perfectly happy, but everybody has a, a solution. Right. I'm going to pivot a little bit because we're running out of time. Uh, we've talked about private businesses wanting, you know, having the freedom to do what they want. We heard a lot from the business community on this issue, and they actually said, we don't want this. A, a large majority of it, I'm not sure that you could gauge it, but we did see huge corporations coming out to say this, local businesses. Uh, Jessica, can you walk us through, I mean, what was it? We've seen this sort of involvement from the business community in previous years on something like sanctuary cities legislation. They weren't as involved on that issue this year, but they were really at the forefront of the bathroom bill debate. What was it about this issue that galvanized this community? I think uh, the business community talked a lot, and the economic development community talked a lot, and then had examples from around the country of economic risk on talent and tourism and corporate investment. Um, and I could, as friends will tell you, could rattle data at you all day long, but I'm sure you all know it. It was big numbers. We already had $66 million in, in conferences canceled, done, in Texas because the conversation was ongoing. And the, any business person will tell you the worst thing for the business environment is uncertainty. So the uncertainty about where Texas is going on this led people, businesses, to use the free market um, and, and, and take their business elsewhere. The thing I think that is often not tied together, yes, it's because of economic risk, but where that economic risk comes from, if you follow it all the way to the end, it's because of the human toll that even this conversation takes on real people. That people wouldn't, businesses and, and meeting planners wouldn't pull their events um, if there weren't something behind it. What's behind it is that uh, we are increasingly seeing businesses and meeting planners, sporting organizations, unwilling to associate their brand with attacks on a very vulnerable group of people. So when we saw Representative Sim Simmons and Senator Kolkhorst stand up at a rally at the end of the special session, and they spoke about their bills, but th they were there endorsing this rally with their presence, and the people in the literature of that rally referred to transgender people as animals and said transgenderism Sick is the enemy of the family. These people are sick. That is where these economic boycotts are coming from because businesses are unwilling, um, it, both for recruitment reasons, for taking care of their employees, um, to associate their brand with such, such harm. Unnecessary, not backed by facts, not backed by law enforcement, uh, harm to, to people, and, and that's where it stems from. You know, I found that very interesting as well, the business community, and I respect them. I, I agree with uh, Ms. Shortall that economic <laughs> should generally what drives and them. Big business typically aligns with the Republican Party. On, on this issue, they were, they were pretty yeah, at odds. They, were, well, they weren't at odds with the Speaker. Right. That's right, yeah, and the Speaker has a lot of influence over the business community in Texas. Did, did this sure. economic argument make a difference for you? Well, I, I think the thing that made it uh, unusual for me, okay, because I'm a business owner as well. I'm also the dad of a daughter. So, I mean, I understand uh, as well as I can, you know, the issue. But when I looked at these companies, okay, and I asked them about their own facilities, their facilities that they have are men, women, okay? Other. 
Most of them don't have other. Most of them have men, women, when they have locker rooms for their workout facilities. Not, let's not men, call people other if we would men, we say unisex. I didn't say that. I said it. I said it. Okay, my, my apologies. Uh, men, women. Now, within that, they may have policies that say if you're a transgendered man that you can utilize whatever you want, but they still differentiate, okay? So my question to them is, if you believe this, then don't differentiate at all. Just make it all that way. Why not? Why not? Why aren't we pushing for that? I'm sure we will in the future, actually. That's well, exactly the point. Transgender you said people exactly differentiate the as well. They and wouldn't I'll tell be you, the majority of people don't want don't want. Have that. you been to Canada? Have you been to Europe? I mean, yes. that's that's very yes. common yes, in I those have. types of places to have one to, one restroom where everybody can utilize yeah, and, it. Yeah, I understand that. I understand, well, I understand exactly what you're saying, but I'm just saying that 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 is that's not where we are today. Do you agree with that? I agree some people are not there. I won't say everybody. No, not everybody. Well, I, I think Nicole wants to interject a little I bit. I think, Sorry, too, when, when they're, you know, going back to the fact that we are dealing with, when you looked at the bills, you know, government buildings, public schools, businesses could still do what they want. Girls' privacy shouldn't be for sale. Boys' privacy shouldn't be for sale. And we were talking about, with the Senate bill, it was government buildings and public schools. And on page one of the Senate bill said, Businesses, you can do whatever you want with, the, and with your did. facilities. With um, Representative Simmons' bill, businesses could do whatever they Where are their children their going to go to school, Nicole? So they weren't reading the, the bills. And, and, and finally, you know, you've got these businesses that I, you know, I understand they're looking at what their bottom line is. But at the same time, they're doing businesses with countries that consider women as second-class citizens. And so do we. Why, so do we, Nicole. why should I care? Well, hang on. Let me, let me ask. Is that I'm the bar ask. for Texas? Give me, give me a second. I want to ask because as this debate went on, at the very beginning, we hadn't heard from a lot of, let's talk about schools specifically, right? Because this is where a lot of the debate has been focused. Early on, the, on this issue, schools weren't very involved. You know, I remember Houston ISD sent a trustee to that first overnight committee hearing, and, and, but we didn't really see a loud outpouring of opposition from them. But the longer this debate went on, the, the closer it came to still being a possibility of passing, we started seeing public schools and school districts say, we don't need this. We saw it. I mean, there were these letters coming out, folks were signing on. The school districts who are tasked with overseeing this, who would in some ways have to implement this, said they didn't want this. What, I mean, if you're crafting policies to work with these folks, to make these folks have to enact this, was that opposition, did, did, did well, that not play any role I at all? I mean, my bill was a common sense approach to this because it didn't take a position but did that, on that but Did either. the school opposition to it affect your stance in any way? Did you reconsider at any point? Well, no, because I, 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 what I was trying to do in my bill is say, Obviously, there's difference of his opinions everywhere, okay? And the schools, yeah, absolutely came into the debate. And so what I was trying to do is have us step back, give us some time to have the debate, and come up with a statewide policy or statewide law so that the schools and, and cities would have the guidance that they needed uh, from a state level. And uh, I, I agree that, that uh, the, some of the schools have come out and said that, but there are probably other schools that would say, look, we, we don't want to be in an unknown territory here. Give us, give us some guidance as well. And I think the state has an obligation to do that. And also you have to remember, too, the Obama administration had, did have a big role in this in that they've, they threatened Title IX funding, and then the Texas Association of School Boards took that guidance letter, put it in their own letter, sent it to every single school district in the state. And while this is happening, you had Fort Worth that pushed through these policies. You had Dripping Springs that pushed through these policies. Again, with no discussion from parents, with no say from students, to be able to, ha to, be able to voice their concerns on these. On just, these just for the sake of accuracy, the Fort Worth policy was enacted bef days before the Obama guidelines right. came out. Again, it was and a guidance. It wasn't a law. It was a guidance, as Nicole just mentioned. It was a guidance of, hey, how to, to help your students and how not to get in trouble. It was not a law. It was not threatening anything. It said, here's what we suggest to be universal. But also, who's there. president now? Right, and he rescinded, he rescinded it and then told states, you have a say on this issue. But so, so, if a, so if proponents of the bill point to the Obama guidelines as one of the big factors as to why this was needed, those were rescinded by the Trump administration, I want to say February, March, it was, yeah. it was early on in the legislative session. Was that not enough? If, if the Obama guidelines were the concern and they were rescinded, did that, did that not play any role in saying, do we still need this? 
well, you still had school districts like Dripping Springs and now San Antonio ISD that are still pushing through these policies where young girls like Shiloh and Dripping Springs are coming home and other girls in the school district are coming home and saying, Dad, I'm, having to, I'm going to the bathroom. There's a boy in the girl's bathroom, and I'm uncomfortable. What do I do, do, you, do you, so without, have, without even having a discussion from the school board or by parents? Two, two points, just for our San Antonio friends in the audience. Just to be clear, the San Antonio part of this, they added uh, sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression to their non-discrimination statement. But the district has said that they still require kids to use the bathroom based on the sex on their birth certificate. So that's is, what you guys wanted in the bills that were proposed. So what they did in San Antonio was when they proposed that policy, they put it on the agenda as, if I remember correctly, DIA local, FFI local, and uh, FFH local. I believe that's, that's the name of the, the way it's in the that's handbook, the name it's though. In the pamphlet. So parents aren't going to know, hey, heads up, we're going to have a new discussion for employees and students on a new non-discrimination policy, which does, by the way, rec um, which does reference accommodations in it. Sure, but and the it's school district has said that that's not that it doesn't do what you were hoping to block. They've said that, but if you look at what a non-discrimination policy is, an employee or a student can say, "You can't discriminate me against me based on gender identity or gender expression," and if I claim. It, that I'm a girl and I need to use the girls' restroom, but I'm biologically a boy, they can use that. So you're okay with discrimination? I'm saying that when I, Just can you answer the question, please? Are you okay with discrimination? I'm not okay with girls but you being, are. I'm not okay with girls being forced in a situation that they're going to have to encounter a boy in the shower, locker room, or... Well, a transgender girl happen? is a girl. It, it, we haven't seen... You have, you have girls who have seen boy body parts that they don't want to see? There's, what are boy body parts? There's already litigation on it. There's already litigation on it, and we are dealing with parents who have had girls come home and say, Dad, I'm having to deal with this at school head on. And Again, have they, have, they seen, have they seen body parts that they don't feel like they should be seeing? These girls are having dealing with major anxiety issues. Have they seen body parts Wait, that they feel like they shouldn't be seeing? major anxiety issues because they're being forced to share about So what about yeah, the transgender girls that are dealing with? I want to get to one more point and we're All running right, out of time. Um, just one last thing. So there, we've talked a lot about the politics of this. We've been at the Capitol. We've talked about the business involvement. Uh, but there's also the human part of this, right? We have folks who for lots of, for months didn't know what sort of policies they were going to come back to. Kids who were out on summer vacation who didn't know what was going to happen when they went back to school. Um, the Trevor Project, which is a, a suicide hotline for LGBT youth, uh, reported that in June when the special session agenda, which included the bathroom bill, was announced, they had the second highest number of contacts from LGBT individuals in Texas. In July, when the second special session started, when the special session started and the bills were filed, those calls more than doubled. Lou, walk us through what's the human toll of, of this debate even before these policies are even passed? So as a transgender man, whoops, and I'm a grown man, I get to make a decision every day what I'm going to do. Um, sitting there and listening over and over and over again, and even listening right now to Nicole and Representative Simmons saying that I shouldn't have the same equality and the same access as somebody else is detrimental. We know that kids um, dropped out of school because of bullying. They were starting to be homeschooled. We saw a number of kidney infections, bladder infections, um, urinary tract infections in our kids. But what the Trevor Project was able to... Kids holding it? Kids holding it all day long, kids not accessing the restroom because they were scared, they were bullied, a, a young trans girl not being allowed into the women's restroom where she belongs, and she, not, or being told she has to go to the nurse's room, all the way across the building and everybody asking her, why are you going over there? She's not sick, she just needed to use the restroom. But what we saw with the Trevor Project, and what I know personally because of the work that I do and the parents that I get to interact with, is these kids were told over and over again that they were not the same as the rest of the students that they know, the rest of their peers. And they were crying, they were upset. What about the anxiety that they felt over a day of, when I go back to school, am I gonna be allowed to use the restroom? These kids didn't, the, the amount of uncertainty, the amount of anxiety. We had a seven-year-old testify, please don't make me go, a seven-year-old trans girl say, please don't make me go in the boys' room, it's gross and I'm not a little boy. She should have been on summer vacation. And yet she was so concerned about what her rights were going to be as a student going back to school in the second grade that she wanted to. She begged her parents. She cried when she missed the testimony when she, her parents testified at 1.30 in the morning. Um, the emotional toll that takes on, even as an adult here in this building, when I testified, let's go with that when I testified under the pink dome, 
There is no gender-neutral restroom at all that I could find anywhere in that building, and I spent more than my fair share of time there. Technically, under, under Senate Bill 6, the, the original Senate bill, there was no bathroom that you could have used that was supposed to be the accommodation. That is for, correct. Right? There was no public bathroom. No public restroom for me to access. And on uh, March 7th, I believe, when we had the first XB6 hearing, I was in that building for 21 and a half hours. What was I supposed to do? Right? And we're telling students this all day long. Well, you can use the nurse's room. If you're in a high school or a junior high, it is a huge campus. Do they have time to get to where they're supposed to go versus going to their classroom? But it's also the mental toll of being, and when all of your friends get up and go to the restroom and you don't go because you're supposed to go over here, that is a huge mental toll of being told, I'm different, I'm not the same, I'm not worthy. Sure. And that's what we saw. We saw kids ending up with a, a lot of, of emotional and mental so stress over all of this. Let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Sure. So, no law passed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you went to the Capitol today, what do you think you could do, as far as restrooms concerned? Well, I'm going to use the men's room. I've been using the men's room most of my life. Okay, okay. But that's not the point. No. Let me make okay. a finish. Okay. So, you're going to use the men's room. Mm -hmm. um, and there's no penalty for you using that, even if somebody said something, is there? If they, if they knew that you were a trans man, would they, is there something that you could be arrested for under the current law or anything like that? Not unless I was a peeper or okay. harassing okay. somebody. Very good point. And I'll let you, Jay, it's not the point, I'll let you make that in a minute. If you would have read my bill, you would have known that would not have changed, okay? That would not have changed. It would have just said, time out. Let's keep doing what we've been doing until we can get this figured well, out. What we're doing okay. in local schools. I want to ask you more specifically, though, going back to this issue of the mental health impact on, on children in particular, that what we, the numbers that we got from the Trevor Project. I mean, what is your response to that? I, I know you. I don't think yourself, one person's mental health is great is, is any more important than the other person's. That's very important. Do we have? Kids that calling, is not what Nicole is saying up here. Do we have kids calling suicide hotlines because transgender kids are in school. Point, or do you want to finish it for me? All right, I'm actually going to stop this because we. I have one last question before we go to public uh, for audience questions. Um, uh, we've obviously no bathroom bills made it out of the legislative, the regular or the special. Um, folks are gone until 2019. That's if we don't come back for a special session. Um, we know that Harvey, uh, the speaker just this morning, said that that was going to be a huge priority during the legislative session. Understandably so. Priorities for a lot of folks, I think, have shifted, especially those in that region that was affected. Um, I just want to do down the line, what are the odds that this comes back again in the next legislative session? We'll start with Lou. Um, unfortunately, I think we're going to keep talking about it, as Nicole said, but my goal as the Transgender Programs Coordinator for Equality Texas is to do a lot of education and show people who transgender Texans are. So when we have this conversation again, it gets muted very quickly because it's not needed. Jessica, do you think the business opposition and the larger opposition will make a difference? Yes. I, I'm sure this will come up again, uh, but the, the bell has been rung, toothpaste out of the tube with the business community. They're not going anywhere. Uh, and I think this has been a clarifying moment for a lot of business people in Texas in, in really understanding um, who's here looking forward for the growth of Texas and, and who's not. The bill comes back. Uh, I agree completely with what she said. It's not going to be as big of a driver as it was this legislative session. Are you filing this again in 2019? I think the issue will always be around. People's values don't, don't necessarily change, so I, I, I think that they said it exactly right. It's going to continue to be discussed. I think we're going to have to figure out whether or not we can thread the needle on something that the legislature can agree on, you know, what Jason was talking about earlier. But I also agree that the hurricane and the aftermath and the requirements on us on that are going to suck most of the air out of the room. Absolutely. It's still going to be a priority for you all, I'm assuming? Well, because we're still dealing with the issue and working with parents and working with students on this issue, absolutely it's going to be a priority. I think you're going to see it definitely again in the legislative session. I think everybody on this panel cares about people, and because we care about people, we're going to continue talking about this issue. Um, I appreciate what Lou had to say, um, and you know, also dealing with girls like Shiloh who are saying, I need your help. I need, I need you to do something because I'm having to face this issue you know, on a daily basis because of what the school, school board did. So it's definitely going to come back. We know that um, it's still being talked about all over the state, so it will come back. All right. Well, I think we've got a lot of folks who want to ask questions. Um, Alexa, can, I, can I make a, a point real quick? Real well, brief. Well, I want to get no, to no, as many no, as possible. When we go to questions, real questions, 
I don't want to. I don't want people to, to yell at us. Look, at oh, the I, I'm way ahead of you. I'm going to warn the audience no if you're lined up. Nice. Um, out of respect to get to everyone in line, let's be quick about those questions. Make sure you bring a question mark with you at the end of them. Otherwise, I will have to cut you off, and I really don't want to do that. Go ahead. Okay. So, as a youth, classified as a youth, 17 years old, going to public school, I just would like to know what like. Why do you think you know what's best for me when you've never spoken to me as a transgender youth? Like, I just, I, it, it doesn't come across my, I, I don't get it. Like, to me, it sounds like two plus two equals five. And after being in the public school system for almost 12 years now, I know that two plus two equals four, and so I what, know what I need. So why, why should lawmakers at the Capitol be in charge of this for folks who are in our public schools? I'll ask the lawmakers since y'all get to do this. We're elected by the members of your community to go to Austin and to solve problems. Uh, if we perceive there's an issue or a problem, then we try to address that in the best, most reasonable way. Do I have the opportunity to speak with others uh, in your community, including children? Absolutely. We spend a lot of time hearing in committee, uh, talking to people. I, I visited every public school in my district at least twice during the interim, and we ask these questions. Now, do I always get it right? Of course not. Uh, we make plenty of mistakes in the legislature. I think you are well aware of that. But to, to suggest that merely because I, I haven't spoken to you and I haven't had the opportunity to really engage, and somehow if I disagree with you on a, on a policy matter, doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not trying to do my best. I mean, we were elected to do this. Representative so, Simmons, you, you said you want to basically pause everything that's going on locally to give the state time to figure this out. You think that should be the responsibility of folks here in Austin instead of the folks back home? Yes, ma'am, that's correct. Yeah. So if... I'm sorry, I really, I just want to get as many in. I'm really sorry. They're doing a meet and greet afterwards. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, hello. Oh, I'm short. Okay. Hello. Um, I just wanted to say that you said on the panel that you guys all care about people, and that is like your genuine concern. You just care about people's safety. And you specifically said... Girls' and boys' privacies shouldn't be for sale. So I just wanted to know when trans youth's privacy and safety was put for sale because all of I'm these sorry, debates, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask you to ask a question. I just, I, I just want to know when that was like a debate, like that kind of privacy was over the safety of other students because you are ignoring the fact that you're putting trans students in a place where they can be assaulted as well because they're putting they're going into a bathroom that they're forced to be into that they don't even want to go to. So are, is, are the privacy concerns equal when it comes to trans kids as well is what you're asking? Right. Yes. And, and their safety. Right, and that's, and that's a great question. And that's why I'm glad that we're having this discussion. Unfortunately, when you had instances like Fort Worth and Dripping Springs and San Antonio, you're having instances where we don't even get to have the discussion in a public forum in this setting. The school board members don't have a have a discussion in the public public forum setting. So when we have young girls um, coming to us and we have their parents coming to us and saying, "Hey, our pri our privacy is being violated. We need help. Can you help us out? We're going to help them out." And I think that what happens is that the, the trans youth have the same rights as well, and the, and 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 the non-trans have similar rights. That's where the conflict arises, and that's where. We, as a body of legislators, in, in my opinion, have to come together and figure out, as I said earlier, is there a way to thread the needle that can be pleasing to everybody? We're probably never going to get to the point exactly where you are, Lou. Uh, we may never get to the point exactly where I might personally be or Nicole might be, but I do think it's, we're charged with trying to figure out what really is the best solution, considering that exactly what you said, those security and safety issues should be equal. Thank you. Thank you. You can pull it off if you need to. All right. How will this issue affect upcoming elections? Well, I think that, uh, you know, people will always do polling in elections, and this, because this was one of the major issues that was discussed during the last session, it will be, they will be poll tested. And, and you know, in most elections in Texas, uh, the primary is the major election, right? Because most, most of the seats are safe Democrat or safe Republican, not all of them. So they'll primary test that in their polls from their voters that send them back. And that's how, I think that's how decisions will be made. Now, again, I still believe that Hurricane Harvey 
And what we have to do on that will be the overriding issue in everything that we do for the next couple of years. It won't be the only issue, it'll be the override. I want to ask Lou, because I, I think this debate really galvanized the transgender community. I remember on Trans Lobby Day, I think in years before it had been maybe, you know, a couple, 80, yeah. 80 people this year, we saw hundreds of folks. It happened to be the day before the overnight committee hearing as well. Do you see the trans community staying involved in this and, and using this um, in elections coming up? Yeah, I, what I personally saw, um, those two days were simultaneously the best and worst days of my life because I've never seen so many people show up for a trans-specific lobby day or to, to talk against a trans-specific um, bill. Um, and so I think that more and more people are going to stay involved. More and more people are going to look at all of these things because it wasn't just trans folks that came out. It was our allies, our friends, and concerned people about saying, hey, all Texans deserve the same equality. And so if people get involved, stay involved, and actually vote, that's what we need. And I'm not saying who to vote for, but getting involved in the process so that you know who's going to be sitting there, whether you like them or you think their views are against you. We, we have to encourage people to get out and vote. I'm curious. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to ask one question. On, on, the, on the business front, um, you know, we had uh, Republicans signing up as co-authors to the representative's bill and in many cases putting themselves at odds with their chambers of commerce, with large employers in their districts. Does the business community stay involved into elections on this issue, Jessica, do you think? I think so. I think, you know, big businesses especially have a lot on their legislative plate. Um, so it's not as cut and dry as, as activists often want it to be. You know, you're dead to me, make enemies kind of thing. Right? Folks have to work together. Um, but I can tell you that, that I can almost hear the collective groan from the business community when they hear things like, this will come back again. Because this is, this is you know, there's a maternal mortality panel going on right as we speak. There are, uh, we, we have maternal mortality level in this state equivalent to some developing countries. So there are actual issues that need to be addressed. The business community is dreading this coming up again. That doesn't mean they're going away. Um, I think they will stay very engaged on this. Um, and it will be a litmus test, I think, for some folks. And, and I agree with, with Jessica on the litmus test. I mean, we did a poll, and 78% of, of those polled said, this is an election issue for me. Um, this will determine who I vote for. Um, but again, you know, you've got, not again, but you, you have the governor who made this a priority. You had the lieutenant governor who made this priority. Um, they put it on, uh, the governor put it on the call for special session, and he doesn't have an opponent, I think he's going to be getting involved. I think you're going to see the lieutenant governor get involved in these races. Yeah, races. Gotcha. Well, I, I just for some context, uh, we, in our polling, it showed that only about 44% of voters thought this was an important issue. That goes up a little bit in Republican among the Republican primary voters in particular. Next question. Thank you. Um, my question is, Considering the high rate of suicide among transgender children, how can pro-life individuals support a policy that will certainly increase the likelihood of trans transgender children killing themselves? Thank you. That, that's a really good question. And that's something that I think that one thing that every single one of us on this panel would agree is that we love people and we wouldn't want people to commit suicide. I think what's important, though, is that we have the discussion and recognize the fact that yes, there are issues, major concerns with the suicide rates. There's a recent uh, study by the New Atlantis Journal that says when in, in the study that they did, those who transitioned actually committed a higher, there was a higher- Which study? Which study is that? Of the New Atlantis Journal, it was done by two John Hopkins. Uh, um, I think they've been proved to be discredited and, 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 and talked about that. So what we know is that trans youth really need to be supportive. I mean, she's, she's talking about something that's discredited. Yeah. She's giving us data that has been discredited and proved to be I wrong. To, I want to defend. I want to defend Nicole on this. Look, she's earnest and genuine. When she makes a statement, snickering and laughs and guffaws in the audience, that's totally inappropriate for this conversation, right? You ask a simple question. How can someone who's pro-life, I am, Ron is, Nicole is, be in favor of a policy that results in higher levels of suicide? We're not in favor of policies that are resulting in higher levels of suicide. We're trying to find answers to very complex issues. To put pro-life versus suicide rates for transgender and butt them together so you can make a political point is not going to well, affect... I'm going to ask you the lawmaker. Let me state this. I want to be, but I want to be clear. I do want to be more specific in the question, though. Do you think that the debate around this issue could perpetuate 
this problem that we're seeing among transgender youth in particular when it comes to suicide rates. And I want to ask the lawmakers, I mean, keeping this debate at the Capitol, are there concerns that it could, whether it's your intention or not, are there concerns that it could perpetuate what is a really tragic Speaker Strauss, number? Speaker Strauss, the New Yorker, said he didn't want the blood of anyone's hands on him during the session. And I tend to agree with them. Look, if there is a policy that's going to in, enhance the likelihood that transgender individuals commit suicide, then we've got to really think through the policy. That's why ultimately came out against it. But to put that against pro-life, I just think that's disingenuous. But it's yeah, life. But it's real. That. It's really real, folks. And that's, it's I didn't folks mean to held a rally off, where they call really transgender sorry, people animals. No worries. What do you think comes next after you hold a rally in which you compare transgender people to animals? Well, again, we're, well, it's an well, actual I, question. I, I'm going to get I know we have a lot of folks in line. I just want to make sure we get to as many questions. I don't want, I think this is an important Jessica, conversation, but I want to get to more questions. You brought that up twice now. Yes, okay, you brought it's real. Up, and that's inappropriate. Why is it inappropriate? You were there. No, no, no. no the, Folks, what, what, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really, saying, I don't, I want to continue. What you're saying, what they were saying is Simmons. inappropriate. No question about it. You were there. Simmons. No question about it. I'm sorry. Representative Simmons. He didn't endorse that. Do you, know what, do you know what people that support this side Simmons. have said to me? I don't have a side. Do, do you know? I'm sorry if someone said something to you, but it wasn't at a rally right. that Does I endorsed that mean, with that my presence. Do you believe that? Representative Simmons, I really want to get to more questions. I didn't hold a rally that said that. I really want to get to more questions and go ahead. Hi, um, my name is Sarah Everett. I graduated from Dripping Springs High School in 2015. Um, and I was just curious, uh, I studied political science at American University in Washington, D.C., and I was wondering how a policy like this follows a limited government perspective when it's taking things out of context. I don't know how you from Carrollton can know better how for something that's happening in Dripping Springs where I elected my school board um, in May this year. Local control, obviously a big issue in the legislative session. Yeah. On this issue in particular, how, where does that fall on that debate about leaving things up to locals or not? I think, the, I think the locals absolutely should have an opinion on it, should have a discussion on it. I believe on a policy like this that has the potential to affect Texans all over the state because we know that that, uh, that transgender Texans don't just live in Dripping Springs, they live everywhere, that we need to have that policy at the state level and make the debate and come up with the right policy that tries to balance and protect uh, everybody. And so that, I believe that should be a state issue. Next question. Wonderful, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first, I wanted to thank all the panelists for being here. Um, I give you all a lot of credit for coming out and um, putting yourselves in front of a firing squad from either side. Um, my question was about um, whether this has been debated, um, and Rep Representative Simmons, I know you said you wanted your bill to come to the floor for a debate. Right. Um, does anybody know how many hours the three various bills who got, that got committee hearings were debated, um, and what the lineup of opposition versus support was? Well, I can only talk about my bill, okay, because the Senate bill was separate than mine, and in my bill, uh, in the regular session, didn't get debated at all in the special session because it didn't get a hearing. But in the regular session, Chairman Cook came to me. First of all, it was Chairman <laughs> Cook that came to me and said, please move your bill, just so you guys understand the way this started, all right? And he said, Ron, I don't want you to have a lot of witnesses at this hearing, all right, because we need to get through this. So I respected him and did not bring. Could I have brought 1,000 people down there? Absolutely. But I didn't do that. So absolutely, in the hearing, there's no question about it, the, the, the witnesses against were far outnumbered the witnesses that were before. But I want you to understand the context in which that came about. On, on the Senate side, though, we, we had an overnight hearing. Yeah, and I was When I were there for most of it. I was there for all of it. I think Blue was as well. Um, you know, we... And in that hearing, a large majority of folks were there opposed. 13 I mean, to 1. Yeah, I mean, I think it, the, the ratio was pretty, there was not... It was written and oral, to be clear. Right, right. Combine the numbers. So is that, I mean, is that indicative about, is, is having an overnight hearing, a 13-hour long hearing on another day, another 11-hour hearing on another day, is that, debate, is that enough debate for, in terms of hearing from constituents and having them be in front of law? I mean, should the debate be among lawmakers or should the debate be having lawmakers listen to constituents. Debate among constituents happens in the elections, okay? That's where the debate among constituents comes. And there's a debate, people have their name on the ballot, and the constituents debate is won by whoever gets elected, okay? And then when it comes, then, then the policy is then debated at the, you know, at the lawmaker level. And the best place to debate that policy is on the House 
floor. Part of it's done in the, in the hearings, obviously, but the best place to have full debate, because if Jason's on a committee and I'm on a different committee, the things that come through Jason, he's going to know a lot more about. He's really not going to pay a bunch of attention, other than a big issue like this, until they get to the House floor. And so I just believe that the House floor is the proper debate. And you know what? That bill could have absolutely lost on the House floor. Could have lost. I, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist as far as when I file bills, but you never know. Just have the debate and see what happens. And I think, too, you have to take into account the hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of calls, emails um, that were sent to the representatives from their districts, people all the way in Lubbock who can't make it to, to Austin, people all the way in Wichita Falls or down south that can't make it all the way up to Austin specifically for testimony. And testimony is absolutely important, but not everybody is going to be able to come to Austin on a weekday when they're in school and work, but they are contacting their elected officials, and those elected officials are accountable to those in their district. Safe to say y'all thought this was debated enough? I just wanted to note that it, during the regular session, Peggy Fickhack at the San Antonio Express News did an open records request and found overwhelming of those calls to the governor and the lieutenant governor overwhelming against uh, bathroom bills rather than for. Um, and I was, I, I, transgender people also and, and, and their allies and, and business people also live all over the state. They found ways to leave work and school and drive a long way and spend money. Uh, Lou told me that a, a few trans folks who testified lost their jobs as a result because they were outing themselves. So, so people, sh people show up if, if they're passionate about something. Lou, I'll give you the last word only because we're out of time. I'm really sorry to those in line. Go ahead. To answer your question, any time that we're debating on somebody's rights, it's been enough time. So I think All we're right, done. All right, folks. Well, on that note, thank you so much for coming. Let's give our panelists a round of applause.